night. Amen. That's good. Well, let's go ahead and take our Bibles tonight and turn over to Joshua chapter 1 verse 8. We'll get started with that. Of course, we have our uh, business meeting, if you will, or our budget meeting here in just a little bit. Uh, but I want to share something with you tonight. <clears throat> Joshua chapter 1 verse 8. I trust it will be a help to you. This is actually something that um, I kind of shared uh, some years ago with the staff, actually. I've kind of expanded on it somewhat, but it was something I shared with them, and I want to share it with you tonight just for a short time here this evening. Joshua chapter 1, verse 8, the Bible says, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous. And then thou shalt have good success. 
Now, of course, we know that the children of Israel have wandered through the wilderness for a number of years, 40 years actually, and now they're prepared to enter into the promised land. They're ready to make that big leap of faith and step into that land that's been promised to them all these years. And Joshua now is going to take the leadership. He is going to assume leadership from Moses. And uh, the Lord begins to speak to him and, and to tell him some things. And Moses shares some things with him. And uh, God, of course, uses Moses to speak to him and help him. And in this particular case, um, we see here that he's being told, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. And again, we are grateful for a book called the Bible that we have today that we can count on, that is always consistent. And in this case, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night. And so there's a real emphasis on the things of God, the word of God. And he says that thou mayest observe to do according to all that's written therein. It's not just the word of God. It's not just knowing the truth. It's, ex- it's, it's, it's uh, living it. It's putting it into practice that matters. And he he ultimately goes on to say, you know, you're going to meditate on this word, this book. You're also going to keep it and uh, obey it and follow it, observe it. And he goes, and then, then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Now, I believe there's success in a number of different areas of the world and different areas of life. I mean, we have business success, we have family success, we have marital success. There's a number of areas there, but when we talk about biblical success or we talk about spiritual success, then it seems like God tries to make it very clear that there's something between success, a difference between success and good success. And boy, I'll tell you what, when it comes to doing things spiritually for God and being successful for God and accomplishing things for God, then that's good success. And that's something that we all need to experience in our lives. It doesn't matter what your vocation is. It doesn't matter what direction you're going in life. And uh, I mean, obviously, it matters what direction you're going. But it doesn't matter what you're planning, what you feel God would have you do in life. The fact is that you need to experience some good success. And that's spiritual success in your life. And that all begins with the Word of God as we understand it. And uh, just meditating on it, applying that truth, and so forth. And so we all want to have good success. And I think... um, We'd be fools not to, obviously. Anybody that says they don't want to succeed in life is, you know, does, either has a screw loose or doesn't, you know, is just trying to be, you know, cantankerous and a little bit argumentative. But novelist H.G. Wells, <clears throat> he held that wealth, notoriety, uh, place, and power are no measures of success whatsoever. The only true measure of success is the ratio between what we might have been and what we have become. In other words, he's saying success comes from the result of growing to our potential. Okay, growing to our potential. Now, we want to experience good success. So who defines what success is? Everybody has their own definition, probably, or at least a number of people may give us a definition. But H.G. Wells says, listen, it's not about your wealth or notoriety, place or power. That's not really the measure of your success. He says the real true measure of your success is what we might have been and what we have become. (laughs) What we could possibly have been, but what we actually end up being. So he's talking about our potential then. Reaching our potential. It's been said that our potential is God's gift to us. And what we do with it is our gift to Him. Our potential is probably our greatest untapped resource. Henry Ford observed, 
There is no man living who isn't capable of doing more than he thinks he can do. Isn't that something? He says, Henry Ford said, there's no man living who isn't capable of doing more than he thinks he can. You know, we've nearly limitless potential, really. In a biblical sense, the Bible says we can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth us. But I think very few ever really try to reach their full potential. And or very few ever reach it, that's for sure. And why is that? Well, let me make a statement. Here's the statement. <clears throat> we can do anything, but we can't do everything. Right. We can do anything, but we can't do everything. You know, a number of people um, let everybody around them decide what their agenda in life is. And as a result, they never really dedicate themselves to their purpose in life. As a result, they become a jack-of-all-trades, master of none, rather than a jack-of-few-trades focused on one. Philippians chapter 3, turn there if you would, please. We run into a character by the name of Paul the Apostle. Paul the Apostle. In Philippians chapter 3, verses 13 and 14, we note this principle being enacted or acted out. The Apostle says in chapter 3, verse 13 and 14 of the book of Philippians, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth into those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Now notice again what he says, <clears throat> This one thing I do. See, Paul had been apprehended. He'd been apprehended by Christ. And he was apprehended with a purpose. And you know what? From that time on, from the moment he was apprehended, by the moment, the time he was... If you you, say, say you apprehend a criminal, you capture a criminal. You take them into custody. From the very moment that... Paul the Apostle was captured or taken into custody by Christ. He made it his life goal to fulfill his God-given purpose for existing. See, before he had been apprehended by Christ, captured, taken captive, he was out hurting and harming Christians. But from the very moment he was apprehended by Christ, he focused himself on the goal and the purpose at hand. I want to share four principles tonight to put you on the road to growing towards your potential and to provide you with good success. And these things are very practical and they're things we all need. So let's take just a few moments and glean from the Word of God. Father, we come to you. We ask, Lord, you'd bless us. Lord, we thank you for the wonderful example that we have of the Apostle Paul. And Lord, we thank you for just the example of so many others in Scripture. But more importantly, we thank you for your example. We think of that 200 years, uh, excuse me, 2,000 years ago, and Jesus Christ arrived here on this earth, and he lived a sinless, perfect life. If we ever want to know what God would have done as a 12-year-old, we simply look at Jesus. We ever want to know what a... What you would have done, Lord, as a 20-year-old, we simply look at Jesus. 
Father, in every situation, he is the perfect example of what God would do on earth. And Lord, in order to be godly, we simply need to be like Christ then. And tonight, we want, thank you for that example that he left us. If there was anyone single-minded, if there was anyone that was here to fulfill a God-given purpose, it was Christ and he did just that. Help us, Lord, to follow his example. And the example of so many others you give us in Scripture. Bless us this evening and may we glean and grow in Christ's name. Amen. <clears throat> Four principles to put you on the road to growing towards your potential, providing you with good success. Number one, concentrate on one main goal. Concentrate on one main goal. Not, not, you know what? Half of you aren't even going to remember any of this. You don't write any of this down. You won't remember a thing I said. I want to encourage you to write these down if you're not writing them down, if you really want to reach your potential, okay? Uh, it's a little bit more teaching than preaching maybe tonight. Um, <clears throat> maybe the Lord will have me flip a switch, but I really think we need to learn how to do a few things. One of the things I've been doing back in my singles class is teaching some leadership lessons. Um, I think it's important that they learn how to be leaders. There are leaders coming in the future. There are up-and-coming leaders, and many of them are already leaders. So I'm trying to teach them some principles that will help them, and I think every one of us could do well to learn some leadership principles, and that's what these are basically are, helping us to be everything we ought to be, everything God would want us to be. So concentrate on the main goal. You know, as believers, our goal in life is more a person than it is a place or a position. Sadly enough, we have the idea today that if I just arrive at this particular position in life, this place in life, then I have truly experienced success. Uh, that, that's not really the goal uh, as a believer. The believer's goal is not to become just necessarily the pastor of the fastest growing church in America. It's not just to have the biggest church in the state of Ohio or around the world. That's not how it works. Just because you can reach a physical goal somehow, some way, doesn't necessarily mean that you have re reached your full potential. Again, we're not trying to beat men. We're not trying to go past uh, what someone else does. We're not trying to just exceed the expectations of those around us. We're trying to measure up to what God said we could be if we simply gave our all to Him. And so as believers, our goal in life is more than... It's more of a person than it is a place or a position. And that person is none other than Jesus Christ. Look at Hebrews chapter 12. Say, what's your goal? If you set a goal, it ought to have Jesus in it, I'll guarantee you that. Everything we do ought to have, be based in, and rooted in Christ Himself. <clears throat> I mean, why did you start a business? Well, I just wanted to make a lot of money. Oh, so you left Christ out of it. I mean, I'm not trying to be nasty or anything. I'm just saying, as a believer, our thoughts go way beyond just success. We want good success, and that good success always includes God in every decision we make. I become, I do, I am because of Him, not in spite of Him. I don't bring Him along. He's literally the very foundation of everything I think, say, and do. At least that's the biblical principle and how it ought to play out in our lives as believers. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. 
Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Notice we're looking unto Jesus. That ought to be something we're focused on, a person, not just a position that we want to arrive at, not just a place or of preeminence and prominence. No, we literally want to keep our eyes on Him, Jesus Christ. Concentrate on one main goal. And that really, concentrating on that main goal would be, obviously, reaching out to Christ. We want to please God. We want to honor the Lord. The goal for the believer's life is a person, Jesus Christ. And that demands... And that deserves our complete attention. If we strive to know Him and obey Him, we will experience good success in this life and in the next. Too often we get distracted. Too often we lose sight of Him. And our purpose for existing is lost as well. Look at you in Revelation chapter 4, verse 11. We can just boil our, our purpose down to a couple of scriptures and make it real simple. Someone says, well, what's my purpose for existing? Why did God leave me here? I'll tell you why God left you here. It's right in the Word of God. Let's see it. God tells us what it is. Notice what He says here in the book of Revelation, chapter 4, verse 11. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. What's he saying? God created everything for what? His pleasure. That means then that one of your great purposes or your greatest purpose is to bring pleasure to God. Notice in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 13 and 14. So what's my purpose for existing? Why does God leave us on earth? Why doesn't God just take us to heaven when we're saved? Because He created you with a purpose and that's to please Him. How are you pleasing Him? Are you fulfilling your God-given purpose today? Notice what he says, Ecclesiastes 12, 13 and 14. Someone says, well, how do I please the Lord? Well, it's obvious. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Let's boil it down to where the rubber meets the road. Here it is. Fear God and keep His commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. Sounds like that's purpose to me. For God shall bring every work into judgment and every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. What he's saying is basically obedience to God is what our purpose, we we exist to obey God. And obeying God pleases God. So we fulfill our God-given purpose by being obedient to the Lord. We please Him when we obey Him. We ought to be focused on that. That ought to be a focus of ours. Paul had been apprehended. And from that time on, he is single-minded. I really believe he was a single-minded man to begin with. Think about how he acted whenever he was after the Christians. Man, you couldn't back him down. I mean, he was a bulldog. You know, we're looking at this from a spiritual perspective, but let me tell you this. If you want to accomplish anything where you work or at school, you better be single-minded. You've got to make sure that you're focused on what you're doing and concentrating on one main goal. If you get too split apart, too too, um, diverse, you may find that you're not good at anything. Again... You become, what we noted earlier, a jack of all trades and a master of none. Notice what it says in James chapter 1 verse 5. James chapter 1 verse 5. 
If any of you, verse 5, lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, it shall be given him. Every day, for years and years and years, I read the book of Proverbs. One chapter a day. And I read James chapter 1, verse 5. James chapter 1, verse 5. I encourage every young man to memorize that verse. And then call on the Lord for wisdom every day of your life. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. Here it is now. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Well, I'll tell you what, we need some single-minded believers. Single-minded Christians. Single-minded Christians that say, listen, I have a, a purpose for existing. I have a goal to reach. I want to please and honor the Lord Jesus Christ through my obedience to Him. And then we need a, a, a Sunday school teacher that says, listen, this is what God's called me to do. This is what God wants me to accomplish. I'm going to put my, forth my greatest effort to be the best teacher I could possibly be. I know I, I don't want to get too sidetracked with too many other things. I mean, I know I have other friends and I've got other situations and I've got other responsibilities. But I've got to make sure that I stay focused. So what happens is we get bogged down in all kind of different groups and activities outside of church and we can't even focus our energies where God wants us to fulfill His purpose. Be careful that you don't get bogged down, sidetracked, and you become double-minded and unstable in all your ways. Again, a lot of emphasis is put on multitasking today. Maybe multitaskers. Well, there's nothing wrong with being able to juggle a number of things at a time. But we need to ensure that we're not being sidetracked once again from our calling. Paul the Apostle, he was very clear. He wanted to be very careful. I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do. It worked for the Apostle Paul. I think it worked for us. We need to find out what God wants us to do and then do it. Let's be careful we don't allow things to get between us and our purpose for existing. So number one, if we really want to meet, reach our potential, we want to experience good success, we need to concentrate on, the, on one main goal. Number two, we need to concentrate on continual improvement. Continual improvement. Again, you want to reach your potential, you have to continue to improve. You have to do that. You know, years ago, <clears throat> you know, you know, somebody, I heard the statement, if you stop learning, you, you stop living. Now, again, I, you know, I, don't, I think there's a lot of truth to that. I mean, <clears throat> I've watched people that have just stopped, given up, threw their hands in and said, forget it, I'm, I'm done trying. There's no existence there. That's not living. That's certainly not Christ-like living. And if you and I want to truly accomplish what God wants us to, we want to honor the Lord Jesus Christ, please Him, we want to bring pleasure to Him, then we're going to have to concentrate on one main goal. Number two, we've got to come to the place where we continually concentrate on improving. 
2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18 says, But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be glory, both now and forever. Amen. He said the amen, I did. But grow in grace, he says, and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. When's the last time you remember learning something about Jesus Christ outside of church? When's the last time you took it upon yourself to grow in your faith without the pastor, Sunday school teacher, or without some tape or song you listen to? You just said, you know what, I'm going to get in my Bible and I'm going to learn something about my Savior and I'm going to get better for God. Grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. 2 Peter 3.18 But also 2 Timothy 2.15 Study to shew thyself approved unto God. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Study to shew thyself approved unto God. See, it's not a matter of, well, I know enough to impress my friends. I can can answer a few questions in Bible trivia. You know, I remember all the stories growing up. That, that's, not the, that's not the goal. That's not where we're going. That's not how we're going to reach our potential for the Lord Jesus Christ. If we're going to truly reach our potential and fulfill the purpose and God-given calling that He has for us, then we have to continually improve. And that means we have to study and show ourselves approved to Him. He's the one we're trying to please. He's the one we want to impress. Not our family, our friends, our co-workers, our fellow church members study to shew thyself approved unto God continual improvement Jesus Christ of course was the greatest example of this turn if you would to Luke chapter 2 verse 52 Luke chapter 2 verse 52 he's not very old at this point just a youngster young man James chapter 1 verse 5 is looking pretty good right now as we read this verse. Notice what Luke 2.52 says about Jesus. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. You say, I don't care what man thinks about me. Well, that's, that's fine. Good for you. But Jesus, it mattered. He grew in favor not just with God, he grew in favor with man. Listen, you ought to care what people think about you. Your testimony matters and how you're perceived is important. Listen, if you don't have a good testimony among the world, and I'm just talking about a godly one, I'm talking about one of character, integrity, I'm talking about one where you can actually interact and talk to people and sound like you've got a brain in your head. Unless you can interact with people, unless you can talk to people and communicate, let me tell you something, you have no hope of ever reaching people with the Lord Jesus Christ or the gospel of Christ. Hey, listen, you need to have favor with man. There needs to be people at work that go, man, I like that guy. He's a good guy. She's a good woman. She's a, ni- she's a nice person. Boy, I tell you what, you can count on him. You can count on her. Not just that, oh yeah, they go to church constantly and faithfully. Oh yeah, they're always telling me how they're out soul winning. They're always telling me about what they're doing for Jesus. No, they look at your life and say, there's something about that person that is appealing to me. 
Jesus Christ, he increased in wisdom and stature. He increased. Increased means to improve, to grow, if you will. Many of us will increase the size of our waistline during the holiday season. But he wants us to increase our knowledge, our understanding, our wisdom, and our, unfortunately, stature for many of us. Assemble that remark, yes. And he wants us to grow in favor with God and man. Concentrate on continual improvement. Are you improving? Are you taking steps to grow in your faith, in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ? Are you growing in wisdom, in favor with God and favor with man? Number three, we're going to reach our full potential and experience good success. We need to concentrate on one main goal. We need to concentrate on continual improvement. But number three, we note once again from the Apostle Paul, we need to forget the past. <clears throat> we need to forget the past. You know, once again in Philippians three thirteen, he says, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind. Okay, now, it's your turn to participate tonight. I want you to list some people in the Bible who have failed, but then succeeded. Failed, and then succeeded. Can anybody, other than the Apostle Paul, we're talking about him already, thank you for the hand. We know that the Apostle Paul was a persecutor of Christians, and obviously, when it was all said and done, he was the, probably the greatest Christian that ever lived outside of Christ himself. And Christ wasn't really a Christian. He is the body in which we're in. So, amazing. But okay, who else? We got another one? Yeah, go ahead. In the end, he had a tremendous victory too, didn't he? God used him in a mighty way. Yes. He, he repented of his sin and the Lord used him in a mighty way. Yep. Yeah, up here, Susan. Moses. Moses, okay. Moses, of course, murdered an Egyptian. Found himself on the run, and for 40 years he's hiding on the backside of the desert. And then all of a sudden he gets called to deliver the people of God out of Egypt. Becomes the greatest leader that the people of Israel ever knew, outside of David himself. Um, another, uh you got to understand, I don't see things like, I think somebody's, oh, oh, back there. Okay, see, yeah, when, when somebody's going like that and they're moving their hand, I'm like, what is that? Because I see a blur. But now I, I think I see, is that Jessica back there? Okay. Jonah. Yeah, Jonah's one of those guys, though. He really pushed the envelope. He's messed up. Then he goes and does a great work for God. And then he turns around and whines about saving all the people. So, yeah, you're right about that in one sense. He needs to forget about the the very end, too, now. But yeah, I see what you're saying. So here he is. God calls him. He ends up rebelling against the Lord. He's in the bo- belly of a fish. Next thing you know, he's out. And then off to Nineveh he goes, right? Okay? And then he, he, God uses him in a mighty way. So in that sense, yes. Okay, we'll, we'll go with that. Somebody uh, over, over here in the back. Oh, okay, the Apostle Peter. Of course, we know that he said, you know, he'd die with Jesus. And before you know it, he's denying Christ. But at the day of Pentecost, not that long afterwards, 
We're seeing 3,000 saved as a result of the preaching of Peter and the empowering of the Holy Ghost. So yes, absolutely. Better forget about that past failure, Peter, because God's got a great work for you at Pentecost. Amen? Okay, somebody else, maybe one other one. One other one. Yeah, brother. Yes. Yeah, we all know the story of David and Bathsheba, but we also recognize the fact that he becomes the standard for every king in Israel. Isn't that amazing? Every king is, is measured by David's standard. And so, yes, absolutely. And so we see here, and we could go on and on and on. I'm sure that we have a number of others. But the fact is, is that throughout the Word of God, we see men and women who have failed, and yet God used them in a mighty way. And the fact is today is if we're going to reach our full potential, if we're going to truly experience good success, then we need to forget the past. Because listen, there's not one person in this room that probably doesn't have some kind of regret. There's not one person in this room that doesn't have something they wish they wouldn't have done. And every last one of us could look back and say, boy, there's no reason in this world why God should use me. We have to forget the past. Or we'll never reach our full potential and we'll never experience good success. And finally, number four, again, not only must we forget the past, but we need to focus on the future. Again, the Apostle Paul, in, in the passage here, he says, But I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Notice again, he's reaching forth unto those things which are before. You know, what we're talking about when we we refer to focusing on the future, we're talking about keeping an eternal perspective. Again, as a believer, we are required, we're demanded, we're expected to Bring pleasure to God. That's really our real main purpose in life. And we do that by obeying the Lord and we please Him by being obedient to His Word. But we have to always, if we're going to continue to grow in Christ, if we're going to continue to focus on the Lord Jesus, then we have to keep our focus on eternity in the future. The moment we get our eyes on the world, we turn into a Psalm 73 believer. And we know in Psalm chapter 73, the psalmist says, Man, when I saw the prosperity of the wicked, when I began to look down here on earth and see how mankind was living without God and how blessed and how prosperous they were, my feet well nigh slipped. I almost went to my demise. I almost fell. Because I was focused on the world and the things of this world. And I lost sight of Him and eternity. It wasn't until he went into the house of God that he saw their end. Why? Because it's in the house of God he's reminded of eternal things. It's in the house of God he's reminded that there's more to life than just living today. And once he arrived at the house of God, come face to face with God, he said, Wow, I almost threw it all away. Because I couldn't help but see past today. This is all I could see. But once you see the future, you realize there's more to live for than now. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18. Let's look there, would you please? <clears throat> I 
In the passage, the Apostle Paul's writing to the church at Corinth, and he says, While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Notice the focus again of the believer, eternal things. Colossians 3.2 says, Set your affections on things above and not on things on the earth. We could quote that verse. A number of people can quote the verse. But do we really even have a clue what that really entails or means? I mean, it's easy to say, you know, set your affections on things above, not things on the earth. But then we'll turn around and sell out Christ for a job. We'll sell out Christ for a girl or a boy. For a relationship. We'll sell out Christ for a position or for some kind of preeminence. And then we'll still say things like, but set your affections on things above, old man, not on things on the earth. And we're guilty of the very thing we quote. Of not being, or should I say, we don't follow through with what we quote. Again, it doesn't, it doesn't do any good to know the Bible unless you're going to practice it. The only thing that knowing the Bible does if you don't practice it is just give a little bit more fuel to the fire when you stand before Jesus Christ at the judgment. And let me tell you this. In reality, maybe I'm wrong about that. Because the truth is, you're responsible for that book whether or not you know it or not. So in a sense, it doesn't really matter. Someone says, well, you know what? If I don't know about it, then I can't be held accountable for it. That's not really true. Biblically and scripturally, you are all accountable to that word, that book. So you know what? I guess I was wrong just a moment ago. And maybe a few today, men might have got caught up in the emotion of it with me. And it sure sounds good because in this world, but we're not talking about this world. We're talking about believers who have access to a book 24-7 that will ultimately be judged by. And you can choose to put it down and close it and say, well, at least if I don't know it, then at least I'll be safe. Can't judge me from something I don't know. Oh yeah, because it was revealed to us. It's in the Word of God. I'm responsible for it. When I went into the military, I told you about this book they gave us called a smart book. They said, you are responsible for every single thing in it. Didn't matter if I opened it or not. I was still responsible for everything that was in the book. I was tested on everything that was in the book. And I paid for everything I didn't know. And you know what? God handed us a book. It's more than a smart book. It is the book. (laughs) And we're responsible for everything in it. You can go ahead and be ignorant of it, but you'll still be held accountable for it. But we need to focus on eternity. Focus on the future. You really want to have good success? You really want to reach your potential for Christ? Then you need to focus on the future. Get your eyes, yes, on Christ but keep them on eternity. One of the greatest public servants in history, at least in England, was William Gladstone. William Gladstone lived between 1809 and 1898. He served as prime minister four times during the latter half of the 19th century. Gladstone was a committed Christian. He always attended church, was very, very faithful. He also taught a Sunday school class throughout his adult life. In fact, his aim early on in life was to become an Anglican Anglican clergyman, to be a pastor, if you will. 
But after his graduation from Oxford, his very strong-willed father insisted that he enter politics. Shortly before he died, Gladstone gave a speech in which he told about being visited by an ambitious young man who sought his advice about life. The particular young man told the elder statesman that he admired him more than anyone living, and he wanted to seek his advice regarding his career. Here's the interview. Gladstone said, what do you hope to do when you graduate from college? The young man replied, well, I hope to attend law school, sir, just as you did. That's a noble goal, said Gladstone. Then what? Well, I hope to practice law and, you know, make a good name for myself, defending the poor and the outcast of society, just as you did. Once again, that's a noble purpose, young man. What then? Well, sir, I, uh, I hope one day to stand uh, before Parliament and become a servant of the people, even as you did. That, too, is a noble hope. What then? Well, I would hope to be able to serve in the Parliament with great distinction, evidencing integrity and a concern for justice, even as you did. Uh, what then? asked Gladstone. Well, I hope to retire with honors and write my memoirs, even as you are presently doing, so that others could learn from my mistakes and triumphs. All of that is very noble, said Gladstone. And then what? The young man thought for a moment. Well, well, sir, I, I suppose I'll, I'll then die. That's correct, said Gladstone. And then what? The young man, he looked kind of puzzled, and he said, Well, sir, um, I, I've never given, any, never given that any thought at all. Young man, Gladstone responded, The only advice I have for you is for you to go home Read your Bible and think about eternity. Boy, if that's the advice that a wise Bible-believing man of God gave to a young man facing his entire life, looking toward his future, to go home and open up his Bible, read his Bible, think about eternity... How much more should we as believers already be doing so? As believers, eternity is something that we have to focus on. It provides us with perspective, and it keeps us focused on our purpose. You know, when you know your purpose in life, and you're growing to reach your maximum potential, then you're well on your way to experiencing good success. Never forget Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. This book of the law shall depart out of thy mouth, shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, for th that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein, for then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, then thou shalt have good success. God help us to concentrate on one main goal, to concentrate on continual improvement, to forget the past, and to focus on the future. Maybe tonight you don't even know for sure where you'll spend eternity. You're like that young man. You really haven't given it a lot of thought. And 
Or maybe you have began to give it thought, but you've not settled where you'll spend the rest of your life once you stop living on earth. (coughs) Maybe you need to settle that tonight. I wouldn't want to leave here without Jesus Christ. I wouldn't want to leave here without knowing what's going to happen in eternity. I want to have it settled. And maybe tonight you need to get it settled. And as believers, how are you doing with your potential? Didn't ask how you're doing when you compare yourself to someone else. But when you consider what you could be and what you are, now how are you doing? And that's what God wants us to think about. Because reaching our full potential is our gift to God. He gives us potential, now what will we do with it? Let's reach it for God's glory. Father, we come to you. We thank you again for just the opportunity that we have.